So what's coming next for the government of Prime Minister Netanyahu in Israel? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Well, it is Thoroughly Jewish Thursday. This is Michael Brown, delighted and blessed to be with all of you. If you have a Jewish-related question, Hebrew-related, something related to Messianic prophecy, specific interpretation of the Hebrew Bible, something about Judaism, something about the modern state of Israel, by all means, give us a call, 866-348-7884 is the number to call. And I'll get to as many calls as I can in the course of the broadcast. A lot of other things I want to talk to you about, what's happening in Israel with the government of Prime Minister Netanyahu. We want to talk about that. I want to talk about some recent manifestations of anti-Semitism among, quote, Christian news leaders. We'll talk about that. And I want to respond to some charges that were brought, some misunderstanding about the history of the Hebrew name for Jesus. We'll talk about that, some things posted on Facebook I was asked to respond to, and I thought, oh, we'll, we'll take time to do that. Last night on the Real Messiah broadcast, I took some time to rebut some really major shocking errors by Rabbi Tovia Singer in a presentation done in Israel recently. A few different people asked me, could I comment on it? And I get asked to comment on things constantly. If I responded to what I was asked to do, you'd never hear me on the radio. You'd never read a book that I've written. You'd never read an article I've written because I'd just be responding to people's requests to respond to this video and this article and this teaching, etc. So I do my best to be focused and not get distracted. But I felt that because this particular video had been viewed about 100,000 times, on Tovia Singer's YouTube channel. He's a counter-missionary rabbi that's refused to debate your deal with me for over 25 years. So because it was getting a decent amount of plays and because some folks asked me about it and because the errors were so shocking and egregious, I decided to take time to address it on last night's broadcast. So if you missed it, it's on our website or our YouTube channel, Ask Dr. Brown, A-S-K-D-R Brown, You'll see Dr. Brown refutes Rabbi Tovia Singer on Daniel 9 and Psalm 22. All right, before we get to your calls, before we get to talking about what's happening in Israel, before we get to some fact and fiction about the Hebrew name for Jesus, I want to play a couple of clips for you. When I was in Bethlehem, Beit Jala, last May, speaking at the Christ at the Checkpoint Conference as the only pro Israel voice at the conference, pro-Zionist voice at the conference. I met a gentleman, name seemed familiar, but I, I didn't know him. And I, I thought he was Christian, <laughs> Christian news that would be covering the conference in a fair-minded way. I didn't realize the extent of his anti-Israel bias and actually his lack of experience in being in the Middle East on, on the ground, which led to some very bizarre statements that he made. But I, I did a quick interview with, with someone on his team and no clue where they're actually coming from and just my ignorance about what their position was until they, they actually started to post things. And that's when I realized they were there. I mean, just 
all the standard uh, anti-Israel tropes and anti-Semitic concepts and misunderstandings and misconceptions. So I want to play a couple of clips. And uh, the best way, the best way for me to rebut these is by agreeing with them sarcastically. Yeah, so this is supposed true news. That's the name of the, the organization. And this is Rick Wiles talking about Donald Trump's Evangelical Advisory Board. Uh, this is the, the they that he is speaking about at the beginning of this clip. Let's listen. The real, the real reason, reason they say anything is because the real agenda is Israel. Wow. And they're not going to jeopardize their standing with the White House to get things done for Israel. Yeah, I can see that. That's the real reason. Yes. So they will, they will look the other way about sin and keep their mouth shut. And so they're pushing the agenda because they have control of Washington. They have tro- control of the Trump administration. Donald Trump is owned by the Jews. That's the truth. Yeah, so not only so, but I'm also owned by the Jews. Oh, hang on. And if you're watching on YouTube, YouTube is also owned by the Jews. Well, 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 hang on, hang on. If you're listening on the radio, the radio is also owned by the Jews. Wait, wait, wait. Are are you driving your car? The car is also owned by the Jews. Do you live in a house? The house is also owned by, see, the Jews own everything. In fact, in fact, the Jews own Rick Wiles. That's why they put him out there to say those things so that they will sound so stupid, so impossible, so ridiculous, so incredible, so contrary to fact and reality that everyone will laugh and say, ha 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 ha. Right. The Jews own Washington. They actually own Rick Wiles. Yeah. Okay. I'm being sarcastic. I'm being ridiculous because comments like that merit sarcasm, merit ridiculous response. Look, I know people on Trump's Evangelical Advisory Council. A couple are close friends, some dear friends. And there are a good number of them, maybe the majority, that I actually know. And I I tell you what they say to President Trump behind the scenes and, and where sin comes up behind the scenes. And where he's been called to repent behind the scenes, that's one thing. And the other thing is, some of the ones who are the strongest and have Trump's ear the most have the least passion about Israel. That's that's not a major, <laughs> excuse me, that's not a major topic for them. That's not a major part of their agenda. So everything that was just said is contrary to fact. But what does it matter? As long as it's blasting the Jews and anti-Semitic. Oh, but that was just getting started. It gets worse. Now, remember, for many years now, the Jews have been blamed for all the world evils. Whatever it is, during the Middle Ages, during the Black Plague, because less Jews died than Gentiles. Why? Hygiene, because of Torah. They still died. Plenty died, but not at the same percentage with which these others died, obviously the Jews, they poisoned the wells themselves. See, this was widely believed. Jews were slaughtered for this. When an economy fails in a country, it's the fault of the Jews. I've got a brand new edition 
of my book, Our Hands Are Stained With Blood, which by God's grace has, has become an important volume for many since it came out in 1992 and has changed many hearts and many minds about Israel and the Jewish people. I've got a brand new edition coming out with Destiny Image in September of this year. And just finished in recent weeks a, a massive revision, adding notes, adding references, adding stories, anecdotes, updating other material. So exact same book, but deepened, sharpened, added to. And I have example after example where Jews, Jews are blamed for the spreading of AIDS. Jews are blamed for problems in the Vatican. It's, it's always the Jews. And, and there is the classic forgery the Russian secret police, the protocols of the elders of Zion, which has, has been believed for over a century as if it was gospel truth that there's a secret cabal of Jewish leaders waiting in, in, in the dark shadows for the right moment to come, come out and take over the whole world. So in keeping with this type of conspiracy nonsense, listen to what Rick Wiles says here about, about, the origins of the sexual revolution. They use sexual revolution to destroy a society. This is what's been done to America. The sexual revolution was a Zionist operation to break down American culture. The families, pornography, yes, to uh, abortion. It. Absolutely. Oh, it's, it's, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Theodore Herzl himself was a secret gay activist. Oh, you didn't know that? You didn't know that David Ben-Gurion was actually Dorothy before he transitioned to male? You, you didn't know that? You didn't, you didn't. Okay, I'm being sarcastic. I'm being ridiculous. But once again, those type of comments merit sarcastic responses. Sexual revolution was Zionist. Come on. Were there Jews involved in the sexual revolution as influential leaders? Jews have been involved in all kinds of things. And were there Gentiles, plenty of Gentiles involved? And were the, were the earliest founders of gay activists in America Gentiles? Yes, yes. But what's the matter? Why care about truth when you can blame the Jews? Now, the problem is that Rick Wiles and True News have an audience. I don't know how big it is. I'm not saying it's this massive audience or larger audience, but they have an audience. And, and people watch this and believe it. And, and now they have the courage to expose this. Listen, as a Jewish follower of Jesus, I'm in constant conflict with my people. Constant. There's only a day that goes by, sometimes not an hour that goes by, that I'm an interacting with a Jewish person that has differences with me about Jesus and other things. And I'd be the first to say that Israel's far from perfect as a nation. I've said it in Israel. <clears throat> I said it at the conference in, in, in Beit Jala. I, I put me at the top of the list where, where the nation needs criticism. And I'd be the first to point to negative Jewish influence in history, be it Karl Marx and the Communist Manifesto, be it some of the early founders of communism in, in, in Russia, in the first 20 years of the, of the 20th century. Yeah, I'm glad to call those things out. Negative Jewish influence in Hollywood words. Yeah, whatever. Jews are influential for good or for bad. I, I, I'd also be the first to talk about all, all of the Nobel Prize winners who are Jews, who, who have brought health and life uh, to so many. 
and and Jews doing so much good on the forefront of of so many issues around the world and 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 in times of disaster and calamity Israel is often the first nation you get Christian relief getting to a place where there's been a catastrophe and Israel with humanitarian help and I'd be the first to point to the high ethics that are found throughout Judaism fact is like everybody else Jewish people the rest of the world we're we're mixed there's good there's bad but this type of stuff is outright dangerous it needs to be rebuked it needs to be exposed and Rick, if this clip happens to get to you, obviously, if you want to play what I play to mock my sarcasm, feel free to do it. Just note that I was being sarcastic. But let's have a debate. Would you? Would you have a public debate with me on this? A public moderated debate that we could live stream so potentially millions of people could watch us? Are your charges about the Jews correct? Are they true? Are they accurate? Will you? Will you have a public debate with me, sir? Let's do it. Be right back. Your calls are next. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Yeah, yeah, I forgot again. There's that music. Thanks for faithfully playing it. That tells you it's thoroughly Jewish Thursday. 866-348-7. Eight eight four. Uh, let's go to the phone, starting with John in Erie, Pennsylvania. Welcome to the line of fire. How you doing, Michael? Very well, thank you, I'll, sir. I'll, I want to go real fast here because I want to cover something real quick, and then uh, it's going to segue into the question I have for you. Uh, I've been studying eschatology now for the last 50 years, and I've gone from dispensationalism, did the full gamut, did a 180-degree turn, all the way to preterism and then full preterism. So I understand all the different views of eschatology, and I don't want to get into eschatology per se, but I say that to say this. I see in the Tanakh only one national revelation that has ever been given to mankind. Now, Abraham was taken out of Ur of the Chaldeas, okay, and he was basically extracted from paganism, from the pagan world, because the whole world system at that time was all pagan, okay? Now, if the whole world system was pagan, that means Abraham had to make a 180-degree turn in order for God to start working in his life and for a nation to come. So we come to Mount Sinai, and then God is giving Israel a national revelation, and he's laying down the law to Israel exactly how they should worship God. Now, I said all that to say this. I want to segue into this question to you, sir, and the question is this. Outside of going to the Old Testament, I want you to stick with the Old Testament to the Hebrew Scriptures. And when you go there, don't read any passages that you can read Christological passages into. And here's the question. Show me one passage, one passage, in context from the Hebrew Bible, that 
says that God okays and says it's all right to sacrifice a human being. The Bible doesn't say it's okay to sacrifice you. Yeah, uh, John, first let me just say, we're not going to talk eschatology, but full preterism is dangerously wrong, terribly wrong, a serious, ugly biblical error that really endangers one's soul. So I just want to say that plainly and clearly, but we won't discuss eschatology here, and it's not the, the focus on a, on a Thursday. But the Bible does not support human sacrifice. So I don't understand the point. The Bible is against human sacrifice. Plainly. Okay. Then the reason why I asked the, the, the reason why I asked you that question is is this is the reason why I asked you that. I see nowhere in the Tanakh where God allows human sacrifice, but I do see I do see in pagan re, re, religions all over the world. Not only virgin right, sacrifice, right, but, but, but John, just just, just to be clear, sacrifice. just just to be clear, the Bible does not support human sacrifice. Period. The Old Testament, the New Testament, does not support human sacrifice. One hundred percent. Human sacrifice has nothing to do with the Son of God laying down His life on the cross to die for our sins as a vicarious atonement. Human sacrifice is unrelated to that. So I don't understand what your point is, unless you're trying to reject the Bible. Now I don't understand where you're going. All right, t- tell you what, uh, however you're listening, we've got these long pauses that, that aren't workable. Um, if you have a serious question that you'd like help with, feel free to write in, info at askdrbrown.org, and a member of our team will be glad to help sort these things out. But the Bible is against human sacrifice. Genesis to Revelation, there's not a hint of anything positive about it. It's universally condemned in the Bible. Jesus dying for our sins is the Lamb of God who lays his life down as the righteous dying for the unrighteous is not human sacrifice. Anyway, thanks for the call. Hey, since eschatology was brought up, remember, just coming out now, March 19th, not afraid of the Antichrist. No, we don't refute and demolish full preterism in this book, Professor Keener, and I do not do that in this book, but we do lay out our belief in historic post-tribulational premillennialism that Jesus comes at the end of this age, at the end of whatever tribulation period there is in this world. Jesus comes at the end of that. God keeps us in the midst of, of his wrath being poured out. We are persecuted by men, and, and the enemy comes against us. That's always been the case in this world. Jesus said, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And he will preserve us. He will come at the end. There's one second coming, not two. He will come at the end. Catch us up to meet him and descend together with him in glory as he establishes his kingdom on the earth. Not afraid of the Antichrist. Why? We don't believe in a pre-tribulational rapture. It's written graciously towards those we differ with. I did give a very strong warning about full preterism from my debate with Michael Sullivan on this. Just go to our website, askdrbrown, askdrbrown.org, and type in Sullivan. You can watch the debate there. And yes, I did strongly rebut it because it's a very serious error that needs to be rebutted and needs to be resisted. The idea that there will be no physical resurrection, the idea that that's past, that the second coming is past, that we're already in the new Jerusalem, that this is it for eternity here on this earth like this. Yeah, very, very unfortunate, unbiblical position, really unheard of before, what, probably 1970s? 
for truth. Uh, let's go to Philip in New York. Welcome to the line of fire. Hey, Dr. Brown, how are you doing? Doing very well. Thank you. Yeah, I just have a question. Uh, in some time ago, I was reading, you know, some some comments, and it was on YouTube or Facebook or someplace. One of the comments, uh, it was speaking about your debate with Tobia Singer. Um, it was alleged in there that you, you don't want to debate him anymore. You, you you lost in your previous debates that you don't want to debate anymore. I know who, this wait, wait, who, who's, I who said? Debate. Who's, who said this? I I don't remember, but it 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 goes along that line. No, every, everyone knows that. No, every everyone knows that Rabbi Singer has refused to debate me for over twenty five years. That's common knowledge. He himself says it. Now he gives bogus yeah, reason. He gives bo- bogus reasons for it. Whoever won or lost the debate, that's up for uh, to, to listeners. Uh, originally, when we agreed to do the debate, Sid, I had previously debated him debated them in the home of a Russian Messianic Jew. Uh, it was, neither of us knew we were going there to debate each other, but we did the debate. There was a woman there who had previously been a follower of Jesus, but had renounced the faith and was a very zealous Orthodox Jew doing counter-missionary work at that point. She was so shaken by the debate. That was one of the things that, that brought her back to Jesus. And she's been following the Lord for decades now and is doing an amazing work with, with poor uneducated children in, uh, in Nigeria. Not sure what happened to your phone there. All right. Interesting phone day, but, uh, in any case, yes. So Joanne was, uh, was so shaken by the debate, the private debate with Rabbi Singer. That was one of the things that helped lead her back to Jesus. But then we did a debate that was aired on Sid Roth's show when he, when he was on in New York city with like a, an hour, an hour and a half long show, whatever. Uh, we did a debate together, uh, CBN. So 700 club, they sent a camera crew because all parties agreed in advance that it was going to be videotaped and then aired on, on national international television. And Toby said, I'll, I'll sign the release form after when the debate was done, he refused to sign. So that was, that was a shocker because uh, it was, it was video recorded. Everyone then could have, could have uh, watched it. And, and then uh, subsequently he, uh, acknowledged an error he had made. And, and anyway, I, I was reaching out to him. We were dialoguing a lot, interacting, talking by phone. We're both late night people talking late at night. And then he, I was gripped deeply to pray for his salvation. And then he cut me off. And that's over, well, over 25 years now has refused to deal with me under any circumstances. Again, he gave, he gave bogus reasons in terms of why he won't debate. Uh, he claimed that the debate that we posted was edited. Actually, he was the editor. He was, he was one of the editors because he had cassette tapes in those days and the maximum was, was 90 minutes and our discussion went longer than that, that he, Sid, and I agreed, okay, this phone call, that we don't need that, this part, that we don't need that. So he was one of the editors, all right? <laughs> and, and the full videotape could have been available if he didn't nix that. I'm just telling the truth, all right? I've, I've got nothing against him personally. I, I, I pray for his repentance, but this is just the, the truth of what happened. So he claims he won't debate me because after the debate, Sid and I did a week of interviews where we talked about uh, the debate, whereas nothing was supposed to be done like that. No, quite the contrary. We were quite explicit. And I said to him, like, if you put out a 50-tape series or 20-tape series, whatever, and, and go through all of, you know, say, well, you think I was wrong, but great, just don't change the content of, of, of what we put out. That's what we all agreed to. So in any case, yeah, it's unfortunate uh, that some people believe the misinformation, but yeah, 
by all means, listen to the debate readily available online, different places. Just type in Michael Brown, Tovia Singer. And then if you want to find where I set the record straight, where you play clips of what he says, and then I tell the truth about it, set the record straight, uh, just go to AskDrBrown.org and type in uh, Singer there, Tovia Singer, and you'll get the video where we set the record straight. And then make sure you watch last night's where we set the record straight about some wild misinformation that he put forth, very passionate in a lecture in Israel. All that being said, I'd, I'd be delighted to debate him again. He's very passionate. He's very eloquent, e- even though there are a lot of inaccurate statements. Uh, he specialized in this for many years, as I've specialized on my side. I think it would be enlightening and helpful for everyone and can't see a good reason not to do it if getting the truth out to the maximum number of people is the goal. So I remain ready, willing, open. I have other rabbi friends. They'd rather do things in writing, and, and I respect that. But since Toby debates others publicly, yeah, as I've said for over 25 years, here I am. Let's do it. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Our phone lines are open on Thoroughly Jewish Thursday. If you have a Jewish-related question for me, if you're a Jewish person, you differ with me. Consider my faith in Jesus. If you've heard a Jewish objection to Jesus being the Messiah and you're wondering about or a Hebrew-related question, give me a call, 866-348-7884 is the number to call. So interestingly, here in America, Michael Cohn, the now disgraced former attorney of Donald Trump, who has a jail sentence hanging over his head for lying, is now speaking to Congress about the evils of Donald Trump. What's true, what's not, I don't know. I'm not following the testimony closely for a couple of reasons. One, I don't know that Michael Cohn is credible and that he has a jail sentence for lying. Number two, I don't know that some of the charges coming against President Trump are anything to be concerned about. In other words, it may be junk in his past that may have been who he was, whatever. I, 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 I was not happy with him as a candidate initially, and then warm to recognize that, that he was going to be the, the right one to defeat Hillary Clinton. But uh, the other thing is, let things come out to light. If, if Donald Trump has done something that disqualifies him from being the president, let it come to light. If not, I'm, I'm just not following the latest gossip, all right? But interestingly, there's some parallels with Donald Trump and Benjamin Netanyahu. They've both been married three times. Yeah, I don't know if you knew about Netanyahu. Married three times. You know, he was in an adulterous affair years ago, almost destroyed his career. He, you know, honestly came forward, you know, confessed and acknowledged. And of course, Donald Trump in the past, you know, adultery was something you you would have assumed was part of his life. They're both a strong alpha male kind of leaders, constantly assaulted by the left wing media and have campaigned on the basis of strong national security. And while these charges are being brought by Michael Cohn against Donald Trump, again, God knows what's true and what's not true. Uh, Here's a headline, major headline about Prime Minister Netanyahu. Netanyahu to be charged with bribery pending 
hearing. So there have been charges swirling around Prime Minister Netanyahu for some time now. And the question is, since there are going to be elections in Israel about a month from now, will charges be brought against him beforehand? Or will that be seen as trying to influence election results? Or will Prime Minister Netanyahu, who is certainly a survivor and one of the savviest political leaders Israel's ever had and, and about to surpass all of the previous prime ministers in terms of the, the longest running prime minister uh, in Israel, as he's been elected different occasions, or maybe he's passed it already. I'll have to check. Um, but uh, he knows how to survive. Will he use this as to say this is another attack coming against him? Uh, at the same time, I'm looking at, at an article that was posted by my colleague, Ron Cantor, and oh, I just lost it. But uh, Ron is talking about how Prime Minister Netanyahu has, has now worked together with what's considered to be an extremist Arab party in the land. And this is to make a coalition so that he can get elected. And some say he's, he's gone too far to do this now. Understand, again, if you're not familiar with Israeli politics, you vote for a party, not for a person. Yes, each major party has a person who is the leader of that party and the face of that party. But you vote ultimately for a party, not a person. So there are 120 seats in the Knesset, in the Israeli parliament. So to have a majority in order to govern, you have to have 61 seats at least, right? Pretty simple. So let's say that Likud, Prime, Ministers, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu's party, which is a, a right-wing conservative party, let's say that Likud gets 33 votes. And, and let's say that the party, and you could have a dozen or 15 parties running in Israel, all right? I mean, some of them major, some of them minor, but a lot of parties running. Let's say that another party, Yeshatid, let's just say it got 20 votes. And another 18, another 15, a whole bunch, seven, eight. No. Well, what do you do? You, you now, if you're Likud, you have to reach out to other groups. Well, why not reach out to your main opponent? Maybe they got 25 votes. Well, because they're, they're your main opponent. They will not do government with you. They, they, they want you out. And they have the, the next chance if you can't put a coalition together. So you reach out to this group. Maybe ultra-Orthodox Jewish group, maybe Shas or United Torah Judaism. You reach out to them, and maybe they each have five votes or six votes, uh, or, or seats, I should say. Well, in order to have us in your party, you're going to have to agree to this, this, this. Okay, we agree. All right. Oh, hang on. You don't have enough. Now you got to reach out to this group. Well, this group has their own agenda. In order to be part of your coalition, we want these rights. Okay, you get them. So you end up putting something together, which often does not reflect the values of your voters, but it's just what you need to do to set up your government. And then if you fail, then the next party down, well, they're going to have the next best shot at, at setting something up. Although normally the elected party is able to do it. So Prime Minister, <laughs> excuse me, Netanyahu calling for early elections. Now, how will the scandal affect him? How will this working with a party that many consider to be so, so far anti-Zionist, pro-Arab that it's actually racist? Uh, how's that going to affect things? We shall see. But just understand that in America, especially among evangelicals, Prime Minister Netanyahu is looked at as a hero of heroes. 
is looked at as an extraordinary leader. And in many ways, he's been an excellent leader. On the other hand, within Israel, the criticism against him from the left can be every bit as intense as the criticism against Donald Trump. And there'd be plenty of people pointing out this problem, this issue, this, this fault. So he's not a savior figure. Which way things will go with the elections? I don't know. I don't know. We shall see. But I never pray, Lord, keep Prime Minister Netanyahu in power. I never pray for, I didn't pray for Barack Obama to lose elections. I didn't pray for George Bush or Donald Trump to win elections. Lord, your will be done. Oh, I will vote based on what I understand is right. I will certainly do that. But I don't, listen, I don't know ultimately God's purpose. Meaning, it could be that God will put in a godless leader over a country because that's what that country deserves. We are reaping what we sow. That God will raise someone up who is going to be terrible for us because it's judgment. He's done that through history. He refers to Nebuchadnezzar as his servant. He says he raised up Pharaoh for a specific purpose. So here this hard-hearted man, God raises up to make his heart even harder, but it ultimately leads to the massive deliverance of the people of Israel from Egypt in a way that far surpasses what would have happened if it was just a, okay, you want to leave? Great, go for it, no problem. So God, in order to demonstrate his glory and bring judgment on Egypt because of its sin, raised up a hard-hearted man, that particular Pharaoh, for that particular purpose. So he speaks of Assyria in Isaiah 10 as the rod of his anger. So never know who God's going to raise up. Could be by raising up someone that's the worst for the church. It finally gets the American church to wake up and get on its knees and pray. Or it could be God raises someone up to be a champion of the unborn and stand for life. And so I'm going to, I'm going to speak the truth about political campaigns. I'm going to vote my conscience. And I'm going to pray God, your will be done. And Lord in wrath, remember mercy. The same when it comes to Israel. I, I do not know who the next leader of Israel should be. I, I don't, I've liked Prime Minister Netanyahu for many reasons. There are things very positive about him. Plenty of other things I don't like and I don't agree with. And, and I don't live in Israel, so I'm not as expert on the day-to-day situation there as others that are there. So may the will of the Lord be done. May God's best for his purposes, for his plan to come to pass in Israel and the Middle East, his best for Israel and the Palestinians, his best for Israel and the surrounding Muslim nations, May God work accordingly. Pray for his will to be done. By the way, by the way, I am going to look up right here on my Facebook screen and on my YouTube feed. If you post a question, a Jewish-related question for me on Facebook or on YouTube, I'll do my best to answer some of those questions before the show is out. You can call in 866-348-348. 7884. But if you have a Jewish related question, I'm looking at my screen here on Facebook and I'm looking at my YouTube screen. If you post a question and I see it, I'll do my best to respond time permitting. Oh, how about this quote? America is under control of Kushner. Nonsense. Nonsense. Yet Jared Kushner has become a real friend of evangelical Christians. That's true. But Jared Kushner, many of his leanings, he, he and Ivanka would be much more a New York liberal, even Democrat. Maybe it's turning with them being in the White House and seeing 
some of the evil of those coming against them and the radicality of, of where the left is going. But if, if America was under the control of Jared Kushner, a lot of things would look different and Donald Trump would not be taking some of the stands that he's taking just for the record. Okay. Uh, yeah, Miss Bluebird, I spotted that statement and responded. Okay. I was asked to respond to this by a missionary in the Philippines. I've never met him, but we've interacted on social media over the years. He said, Michael, how do you respond to the slander against the name of Yeshua? Posted by an anti-missionary Orthodox Jew on Delphi Forum, Jesus, uh, Jesus is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew Joshua, Yehoshua, meaning Yahweh's salvation. It stands, therefore, in the Septuagint and Apocrypha for Joshua. Now, that's, that's true from the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. Yeah, that's an accurate statement. So the Greek, Jesus, that is the equivalent of the Hebrew slash Aramaic Yeshua. And for the record, Jesus in the Septuagint, so the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, completed 150, 200 years before the time of Jesus, it translates Jehoshua, Joshua, and Yeshua. It translates both of those words with Jesus, or I should say transliterates those as Jesus. So both Joshua, Yehoshua in Hebrew, and Yeshua, which your English Bibles is Jeshua, both of those are represented by Jesus in the Septuagint. That's why in Hebrews, you'll, you'll see, for, for example, the King James talking about Jesus when it's talking about Joshua, because the Greek is Jesus. And sometimes it means Joshua, sometimes it means Yeshua in the Septuagint. But I'll, I'll get on with the claim here and we'll correct it on the line of fire on the Jewish Thursday. Stay with us. It's the line of fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us, friends, on this Thirdly Jewish Thursday broadcast on the line of fire. A YouTube question from Amin. Hello, Dr. Brown. I'm an Israelite. Why do you believe in Saul of Tarsus? Well, Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, chose him as one of his emissaries, one of his shlichim. That's why I believe in what he wrote. It's in harmony with what Yeshua taught. Jesus himself called him and singled him out. He had been a persecutor of the followers of Yeshua. And then he had a radical experience, recognized the error of his ways and preached the good news the rest of his life, suffered much for it, was ultimately martyred for his faith. And the early followers of Jesus recognized the validity of his work, as did the other uh, emissaries, the other shlichim, the other apostles that were chosen by Yeshua. They recognized and welcomed him as well. So that's why I believe in what he wrote. Okay, so... Let me get back to this Orthodox Jewish claim. Uh, the name Yeshua, sometimes spelled in English, Jeshua, is the Aramaic, not Hebrew version of the name Joshua. Uh, no, that's, that's not correct. That, that's not correct. It's the short form of Joshua. It, it's not, it is not the Aramaic form of Joshua. Here, I'll, I'll, 
I'm just going to go for a moment here. I'll go to the book of Joshua, all right? And I will look down in the Hebrew here, in, in Joshua 1.1, 1, 1, right? So after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, um, the Lord said to Joshua, Yehoshua, okay? Uh, how is his name spelled? How is Joshua spelled in the Aramaic Targum? Yehoshua, all right? Bamar Adonai Yehoshua. It's the same name. Yehoshua in Hebrew equals Yehoshua in Aramaic. Same name. Yeshua is a short form, like Mike from Michael, all right? That's all it is. Like Tom from Thomas, like, like John from Jonathan. It's a short form. Yeshua is a short form of Yehoshua, both in Hebrew and Aramaic. Yeah. Now, does it originate in Aramaic? You could argue that, but it's used in Hebrew and Aramaic. It's a separate name, a short form for Yehoshua. And both of them were transliterated in Greek as Jesus, which is interesting. You would have thought there'd be two different words that would be used there. But the Aramaic for Yehoshua, Joshua, is Yehoshua, Joshua. Okay? So, first error there. Uh, recall that Jesus lived in an Aramaic and Greek-speaking country. The word Yeshua is a common noun. Yeshua, that means salvation. There is an extra letter at the end, and this was never Jesus' name. You always write it without the final hey. Yeah, that's that's correct. Yeshua, salvation, written with a final hey, is related to Yehoshua and Yeshua, but it's a different word. Yehoshua combines the two concepts of the Lord's name and salvation. That is then shortened in Yeshua, all right? But yeah, it is a separate word. Yeshua, the name of Jesus in Hebrew slash Aramaic, and Yeshua, the word for salvation, deliverance. Right, so that's true. Then he says, the, this is some Orthodox Jew that posted, the Hebrew for Jesus is not Yeshua, but rather Yeshu. No, 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 that's incorrect. That's incorrect. What happened was that the final ayin, there was an ayin in, in the word, the final Ion, you have what is called a non-syllabic glide vowel, which means when you have a word that ends, say, like with a ch, say the, the word for spirit or breath, originally it would have been something like ruchu. Once you get rid of the u at the end, you have ruch, which is considered hard to pronounce. So you end up with this non-syllabic glide vowel. So you have ruach, or the word for tablet, luach. Okay? So the same way here, this name Yeshua would have originally end it with an iron sound, which is difficult to end with. So you end instead Yeshua with that vowel leading into it. All right. So at a certain point, that vowel dropped out. But the name we know, the name we know, we know it as it's represented in ancient Syriac as well, Yeshua. Okay. There, there's, there's not a debate uh, uh, about that. Now, over a period of time, with hatred towards the name of Jesus in traditional Judaism, the name Yeshu stuck and you got rid of the final line, but there was a final line. Of course there was a final line. We know it. So you end it up with Yud, Shin, Vav. All right. In, instead, just Yeshu. And then some of the rabbis said it stands for an acronym. Yimach Shemo Vizichro. May his name and memory be obliterated. All right. So when a traditional Jew says Yeshu, many times they mean it in a derogatory way. Your average Israeli says that that's just how they heard the name, but that's not his original name. His original name was Yeshua. 
And there's no question there's an I in at the end. There's no question whatsoever. And there's no question that it was pronounced originally. So completely bogus here. 100% completely bogus. And the person that posted this, Arye, claims that he's bested me in debates online and has challenged me to debate him. I have no clue. Arya, if you're listening, I have no clue who in the world you are. No clue who in the world you are. Only online debates that I did, first getting online, what, in the 90s, I, you know, as internet came on and I started doing some, getting in forums and debating. And there was a really, there was a really nasty guy, Arya, that was claimed to, he was going to Israel and cursing me and stuff like that. Hey, a lot of good it did you, buddy. The blessing of God has only come greater and greater and greater over these decades to make Yeshua, Jesus, known to our people in Israel and around the world. <clears throat> but, but, uh, I, I've honestly, unless you're that same person, in which case it was anything but bested, those would have been embarrassing, I think, on your end. But whoever you are, call me. Call the radio show. Let's, let's do a debate. Now, I, I want to be fair. I want to be totally fair. If someone, let, let's say Richard Dawkins, wanted to debate me on the book of Genesis and science, it, it, would, it would be ultimately an unfair debate and, because he's a scientist and I'm not, all right? And as much as I'm a biblical scholar and he's not, if we were talking about Genesis and science and he started to get into science, it, it would not be fair to followers of Jesus lovers of the word, for me to debate Dawkins. Or let's say we were debating on, on the age of the universe. So it, it wouldn't be fair because it's not my field. So I would make our side look bad because it's not my field. Oh, I, I could learn a lot. Okay, but if, I mean, if we're going to do the debate tomorrow, it wouldn't be fair. In the same way, if I was going to uh, de debate someone on, oh, pick another subject that's not my field, you know, uh, the origins of Hinduism and we were, well, it, whatever my position was, it wouldn't be fair for me to debate that for our side because I, I'm not a scholar in that field. All right. The same way, if Dawkins was just going to debate me on scripture, he'd be utterly demolished because that's not his field. And, and he'd be doing his fellow atheists a disservice. Right. So, so what's my point? I'm happy to debate anyone that's a qualified representative. Otherwise, it's unfair. It, it, what does it prove if a bulldozer runs over a mouse? What, what, what does it prove? You want a bulldozer against a bulldozer, all right? So I, I have done some debates here and there that I felt were not going to be equal. In other words, that the people on the other side were not adequate opponents, but they so forcefully pushed and wanted to do debates, and they were respected by others in their community that I said, fine, in the interest of truth, and to expose the error, I'll do it. And of course, if someone calls in and wants to debate me on a subject, well, if it's, in the, if it's related to our subject matter and it works on a show, I'm, I'm happy to do it. But, you know, people, I just saw someone posting on, on YouTube, I'll, I'll debate you on the Trinity. Well, I need to know who you are. No, it's not that I'm arrogant, but if it's a bulldozer versus a mouse, what does it prove? If, if I'm going to debate somebody, I debated Dr. Dale Tuggy a Trinity denier because he's a, he's a, as a professor and this has been an issue he's focused on for, for many years. So even though I didn't know him before this, I thought, okay, and he's highly respected in his circles. It, it, it was, it was good to do it. I was glad to do it. 
And if there's a, a, a rabbi or respected counter-missionary, I'm happy to debate them on Judaism or a Jewish scholar, uh, Jewish beliefs about Jesus, happy to do that. All right, but, but look, let's say you converted to Islam yesterday and you want to do a public debate with me about Islam. That's unfair. Even though I'm not a Muslim scholar, I'll demolish you uh, on, on, on your arguments, you know, uh, for the Quran and, and, and verse the Bible if you just convert it, even though that's not my field, all right? And, and plenty of fields I get demolished, all right, easily, because they're not my field. I've got no, look, I'm a, by God's grace, a good debater, but you got to have substance and facts. All right. You know, have substance and facts. You just got to dig a deeper hole the more you talk. So, all right, I have no idea who you are, but if you are respected in the Jewish community, if you're a legitimate scholar, if you're a rabbi, if, if you're an active counter missionary, respected by your colleagues, well, of course I'd do a debate. Why wouldn't I? With joy. I, my concern it's not winning the debate. My concern is I want to be fair to the other side. And, and if someone that's not qualified to represent the other side wants to take a position and I demolish that position, it's not fair to that side. Let them bring a qualified representative. Let them bring someone respected by colleagues and peers. Let them bring someone who's published in the field or who's recognized in the academic world or in whatever the community is. Then we can have an equally equal debate so that the focus is not who's better scholar or who's right. No, no, we're coming in as qualified people. And now the focus can be on substance, substance, who's right, who's wrong. So I, I do debates 24-7. Fact is, we put out a whole lot of material, hundreds and hundreds of hours for you to research, study, read. Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. We're confident of that. Visit us at AskDrBrown.org.